I love that song. I love that we can worship together. I'm so glad that you're part of our online location. I can't wait to see what we do and what God does through our online location going forward. Big stuff plans, big conversations going on. You're a part of this place. And if you're jumping on here and you usually attend, just take note of the shift in our in-person gatherings starting next week. They're no longer going to be tailgate gatherings as, as long as things stay the same and we don't have to pivot or rotate um, our plans around because of this pandemic. If, if things stay the same, tailgate will be done in Haven and we'll move our in-person gatherings to in-person at Grace Cresona and uh, those services will be 8 at 11. You need to jump on. We have guidelines. If you can't follow them, you need to stay home or find somewhere else to go where you can just do whatever you want. If you want to attend our in-person gatherings, you need to pay attention to and follow the guidelines. We ain't playing. And to do that, you can just check out your emails or social media to find out all of that stuff. Listen, we're jumping into our next Peace Thief talk. In today's talk, the peace thief is impatience and the fix is the waiting. This message is called The Art of the Wait. Would you pray with me and we'll just jump right into it. Dear God, we thank you so much for your love for us. We, we want to exercise faith in waiting for you for the things you have for us instead of getting out ahead of you or lagging behind you. Help us keep in pace with you. We're so thankful that while we're separated by space and time and location, none of that stuff stops you. It doesn't hinder you. And you are what we need. Would you do something new in all of our hearts? Encourage those who need encouragement, strengthen those who need strength, and help us all to follow you just a little bit better after we dig into your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. When you have to wait, it's tough. And waiting, see, see this message today, the art of the wait, the, the peace thief is impatience. We all struggle with it, we all deal with it, and the fix is so simple, yet so very difficult to apply to our lives. You see, when it comes to waiting, it's just something that we all struggle with. And the, and the more the pressure, the bigger the need, the more desperate we feel, the harder it is to wait. I remember one time driving home, all the kids in the car, we were, I think, leaving a kid's soccer game, and we were just going to make a quick trip. My house was a couple minutes away. We just needed to stop really fast and pick up some stuff from the from the grocery store, and, and I remember like Jen being like, oh, it's just going to take a minute or two. I'm just going to run in quick and grab some stuff for dinner and run out, and I was, I w we had had a big breakfast that morning, and the coffee was like hitting, you know, but I was like, ah, it's all, it's all good. We got time. Like, yeah, you can jump into, into the store. Just don't like dilly-dally, because, you know, like I don't want to get too graphic here, but I feel the coffee is starting to do its thing in my system, and uh, I'm going to need to get home, and, and that need, you know, but I, but I can wait. I can wait a little bit. My kids are in the car, and next thing you know, one minute turns into a couple minutes. A couple minutes turns into a really long line in the grocery store, and I start sweating. You know the skies. You know the sweat, right? Like, you, you know that sweat. You start sweating, and the kids are like, you all right, Dad? Like, 
you got COVID symptoms right now? I'm like, no, just be quiet. Like, a dad needs to focus. <laughs> you know, like, don't talk to me. Don't say anything. Don't ask me to talk. Dad needs to focus. But eventually, the waiting even gets more pressure, and the coffee's really doing its thing, and it's like knocking on the, it's like, hey, hey, you can't ignore me anymore. You better make a decision pretty fast, and I'm sweating it, right? But like, you can't use public bathrooms in a grocery store door in a pandemic. There's no leaving the kids in the car and running in there just to take care of business real quick. So I start dialing like the phone now. I'm like afraid to move muscles. <laughs> you're afraid to move muscles because you're like, you got to. So I'm dialing for like, Jen, you better, you better go. She's not answering the phone because she's in a really long line and that's just rude. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know what to do. I can't leave her here. I'm not going to make it. And next thing you know, this has become a full bet body exercise in trying to wait it out. This has become an all-in physical response, just trying to make it home. Kids are dying laughing. Dad's up front, flexing muscles and making noises, right? Like grunting and like, man, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to make it. It had to be hysterical from the kid's perspective. Like, and then rushing home, you know, you know this, you've probably done this, like you call ahead if, if people are at home, you're like, clear the way, open the door, I'm coming in, it's an emergency. Like, I've raced home, busting the door, and finally made it. Waiting is so difficult, the greater the pressure in your life, the harder the wait. The, the bigger the need in your life, <laughs> the harder the wait. The more desperate you become in your life, the harder the wait. Listen, we struggle waiting just under normal circumstances. But there have been times in your life where you have been waiting for things and you felt the pressure. Maybe you felt the pressure because you're lonely and you just really were waiting for somebody, a friend or a a partner or uh, somebody you could like marry someday, like somebody to, you're, you're waiting for that loneliness to go away and that, that, that feeling of need, the greater the need, the harder the wait. It's harder to wait on God, the more you feel it. The, the more you feel like the pressure of being accepted, the, the harder it is to wait. It's, it's just one of those things that the greater the need, the, the bigger the desperation, the harder, the, the more desperate you feel, the harder it is to wait on God, and you end up saying, when? When? When's it gonna, like, uh, I feel so lonely, when? When's God gonna bring me somebody? I feel so directionless, when's, gotta, when's God gonna show me my purpose? I feel so lost in this job. When's God going to make it clear to me what he wants me to do next? I don't know if this is the right person to date. When's God going to show me? I don't know if I should commit to this. When's God going to show me? We feel pressure. It gets hard to wait and we start saying when. But saying when isn't a bad thing. You see, we get into trouble when we stop saying when. Psalm is full, full of passages of when, God, when are you going to make things right? When are you going to change things? When's it going to be different? When are you going to show up? It's okay to ask God when. We get in trouble when we stop saying when. 
King Saul. His first part of the story is in Samuel chapter 13. And Samuel chapter 13, we, 1 Samuel chapter 13, if you're following along or on an app, we get the story of Saul, this brand new king, first king in the nation of Israel because the nation of Israel couldn't wait and wanted a king. And so this started a whole bunch of other problems, but the, this, this story of Saul's first kind of like battle is one where he just really messes up waiting on God. And his first acts of king is taking things into his own hands, forgetting, forgetting the future, the, the past that God has shown up time and time and time again. He forgets how God has always acted miraculously on behalf of his people, and he fails when it comes to the art of the wait. And what he expresses is a lack of trust in the God who established him. It says this, it says, As Saul is, he's 30 years old when he became king and he reigned over Israel for 42 years. He chooses 3,000 men to go out to battle against the Philistines. And as he's out there preparing for war, his son, Jonathan, who is an incredible soldier and who, who's got some incredible stories in the Bible, just solid dude, went out and attacked the Philistines. The Philistines hear about him attacking their outpost and they get super mad and Saul, in his first act of insecurity, he sends trumpet people blowers out and he says this, let the Hebrews hear. So all Israel heard the news. Saul has attacked the Philistine outpost and now Israel has become obnoxious to the Philistines and the people were summoned to join Saul at Gilgal. The, the first like insecurities start to pop up. Saul making it more about his plan than what God was doing. Starts taking credit for Jonathan. It says the Philistines assemble, and, and here's where things, the pressure really goes up. They have 3,000 chariots, 6,000 charioteers. Didn't even know that was a thing, did you? Charioteers. How come there's no, like, how come there's no, like, local high school sports mascots called the charioteers? <laughs> What's that logo going to look like? They got so many chariots and even more people to drive the chariots. They're like rolling into camp like you knock one of us down. Don't even worry about it. As long as we got our horses and the things on wheels, we got enough people to ride them into battle. Like they're bringing it. The pressure is on. The, the need is great. The desperation is starting to escalate. They had soldiers, it says, as numerous as the sands on the seashore. And then it says this, they went up to Michmash's place and they're camping out there and the Israelites see that their situation was critical, their army is hard pressed, so you know what they do? They go hide in caves and thickets among rocks and pits and cisterns. What a great first stand for King Saul. What a great first showing his crew is all like this is too desperate the need is too great we got to go hide he's hiding and it says that Saul waited seven days the time set by Samuel but Samuel did not come now Samuel is the prophet who installed Saul Samuel would be the prophet who would install David we've talked about him a number of times he was like God's prophet God's man to deliver God's message to the 
people of Israel to offer spiritual leadership and direction to the kings and all the people during these kind of crazy times. Samuel had told Saul, wait seven days. But when he didn't show up right away, Saul's men began to scatter. He said, bring the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered the burnt offering. And just as he had finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. Samuel said, what have you done? Saul replied, when I saw the men were scattering and you did not come at the set time, and the, the Philistines were assembling at Michmash. I thought, now they're going to come. So I felt compelled to offer a burnt offering. And Samuel said, you did a foolish thing. You have not kept the command the Lord God gave you. If you would have, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. What a mess. I mean, the pressure was escalating. The situation was desperate. The need was great. And the waiting got really, really hard. And Saul, he says he's, he waits just a minute too short of what he should have waited. You see, he was looking at this whole thing like God's not going to show up. Samuel's not going to keep his word. His trust game was suffering. His waiting game was crippled because his trust in God was so small. He probably waited for the first hour of that seventh day instead of the final hour of that seventh day. He was waiting for just the first moment where he didn't have to wait anymore and he took things into his own hands. His trust game was weak because he felt compelled by his circumstances to do his own thing and to take matters into his own hand. Instead of waiting for God to show up, the same God who had gone out time and time again for his people, a history that Saul would have known time and time again for his people and proven his people victorious over their foes in much worse circumstances than this one here. They're just gathering on a hill. What about the time where the chariots chased them to a river and God walked the Israelites through on dry land before wiping out the entire army? You see, God had always shown up shown up for Moses, he'd shown up for Joshua, he'd shown up over and over and over again for his people, and now Saul. He's so short-sighted. His God is too small. He's too small, and he's not good enough. He's got him in a box, and Saul waits for the very first moment, and because of the pressure and the need and the desperation he feels, he rushes God's timing, and he fails to wait. He stopped saying when and took things into his own hands. Listen, stop asking God when. Uh, keep, keep asking God when. And stop taking things into your own hands. Learn the art of waiting on God. Because when you wait on God, God shows up in big ways. God makes him known 
in big ways. God makes his name great through you and your life. And God establishes you and the future he has for you. And nothing can knock you off that course. When we wait for God, you know, instead of waiting, instead of waiting for the one God has for you, maybe it's settled for what was close to you. Instead of waiting for God's purpose to be fleshed out in your life, maybe you rushed into your plan. Instead of waiting for God to establish his identity in you and to build you into the person he wants to build you into, maybe you rushed for popularity and likes. You know, we get so, so impatient when it comes to waiting for the stuff God has for us. We stop saying when, and we take matters into our own hands. And when we take matters into our own hands, what we usher into our lives is hurt. And what we usher into the lives of other people around us is complexity. Saul, he took things into his own hands because he wasn't waiting just long enough. And you need to hear this. It may be seven days, and then you need to wait the whole seven for God. Maybe God's not showing up for you. Making and taking things into your own hands one minute too early is way too early when it comes to waiting for God for what he has for us. If we really want to see the best plan God has for us, what he's going to do in our lives, then we need to wait until he makes it clear. Wait until his promises come to fruition. Wait until he directs our steps. We can't give up too soon. And I wonder how many times in my life I should have been waiting for God. And I got impatient. And I decided to take things into my own hands. I wonder how much hurt I could have avoided if I would have just waited one more minute. I wonder how much chaos and confusion that I've sown into the lives of people around me because I failed to wait for God to show up in my life. I wonder how many times I've taken a detour down the wrong road because instead of waiting for God's plan or purpose, I decided to do my own thing, forge my own way. See, waiting gets hard. Especially when you're saying things like, God, I, I just, I need somebody. I need something. I, I need to know my purpose. I need you to heal this broken heart. I need to not feel so alone. I need to have a clear picture of this decision I have to make. When are you going to show up? It's so hard when we feel that need and it seems like God just doesn't answer in the timing we have. But God's timing is always better than our timing. And as difficult as it is to wait, and as much doubt as we have to wrestle with when we're waiting, God's timing always proves best and always moves us exactly to where we need to be. You see, when you wait for God and he shows up, when he shows up, he establishes you 
for the future He has for you. It's a trust thing. It's a confidence thing. But we feel compelled. We feel so compelled by our circumstances to stop waiting for God and to take things into our own hands. When's the last time, maybe you can think of a time in your life, where your circumstances got difficult enough that you said, God, I can't wait. I'm not going to focus on you. I have to shift my eyes. I have to do something right now. I can't wait. When's the last time you felt compelled to take things into your own hands? We sacrifice the character that He wants to build in us that'll bring us to the future He has for us. We sacrifice what He wants to do in our hearts and who He is making us to be for the future He wants to bring us to. We sacrifice it when we fail to wait for Him to show up in our lives and when we take things into our own hands. And not only do we sacrifice the character that He is building in us, the person He is making us into, the person that can see us through all kinds of circumstances that he knows we're going to have to face in the next steps of our life. We sacrifice the character he has for us and we usher in all kinds of hurt and confusion. There's so many people taking detours in their lives that have led to hurt and confusion and betrayal and broken down relationships and painful recoveries all because we failed to wait for God to give us what we really needed. And we took it into our own hands. Addictions. Broken relationships. Turmoil. Years wasted chasing things we should have never been chasing. Whole career paths and lifestyles built full of hurt and, and heartache that we could have avoided if we would have just waited one more moment for God to show up and truly meet our need. Maybe you're getting tired of waiting for God. Maybe you're getting tired of waiting for Him to show up and bring somebody into your life that you think you need. Maybe you're getting tired of waiting for him to show you direction or purpose. Maybe you're getting tired of waiting for God to change your circumstances. Maybe you're getting tired of waiting for God to change your heart or your feelings. I just want to encourage you, hold on. Don't give up a minute too soon. God's timing is better than your timing. You can't see the whole picture. You just see your need right now. God sees you and he hears you and he sees your need and he sees the whole picture of your life. He knows where he's taking you. He knows the good things he has planned for you. He knows the challenges you're going to have to face. And what he's doing in this moment while you wait is he's building you into the person you need to be for the plans he's going to establish for you. Don't give up. Just wait for him. I know it's difficult, but when he shows up and he does his thing in your life, it's going to be so worth the wait. Even with the discomfort and the pain, 
you're holding on to right now. I wish Saul would have just waited one more minute. Samuel would have shown up. And, and Samuel would have done things the way God wanted them to be done for Saul. He would have offered the sacrifices the way God wanted them to be offered. He would have done it the right moment. God would have wanted it done. And God would have done something bigger and better in Saul's life and through this battle than anything could have, anybody could have imagined or foresaw. Instead, Saul jumps the gun loses his art of the weight because he doesn't trust in God and takes things into his own hands. And what ensues is the same thing that happens to us when we enact our plans instead of waiting for God to show up. He ushers in a mess. Some of you are living in the mess right now because you've taken matters into your own hands and started living out your plans instead of waiting for God's plans for you. He goes from 3,000 soldiers to 600. It teaches us in the, in the last part of this chapter that they didn't, they didn't have iron for swords. What were they using? Like they didn't have iron for swords or spears. Were they out there with their brooms? Like what did they got? Like a shovel? Like a sticks? What are they, they going to fight with? You see, if they ever needed God to show up and do his thing, now is when they needed him to show up. They had nothing without God so wait for him. They got no iron. He freaks out. Saul freaks out after this whole thing. Taking things into his own hands again, he decided that, he, that they, they shouldn't eat while they fight. Like they can eat at night when the fighting's over. Shouldn't eat all day. So now you got a bunch of starving soldiers out trying to fight. Of course, they end up killing some of the beasts and the animals that the Philistines had in the battles. And instead of following God's direction for their health and and cleaning these animals properly. They're so starved because of Saul's stupid decision that now they're sinning and failing and falling and probably getting sick on top of it. Jonathan doesn't hear about this whole order, the stupid decision to not eat. And so his son is out and fighting the Philistines and finds some honey and eats the honey. And Saul freaks out. He's getting more desperate. He's threatening his son's life, and they have to talk him out of it, and he almost kills his son. What happens in the following chapters is a disaster. So much pain and so much hurt ushered into the lives of so many because Saul just wouldn't wait a little longer for God to show up. You see, when we don't wait for God, what we usher into our lives is a mess. And some of you are in a mess right now. You're in a mess because you've taken matters into your own hands, because you stopped waiting for God to show up. It might have just been one more minute until he did. And, and you're in the mess right now. But the good news for us is God still wants to establish his plan in your life. He still wants to take you in a direction forward. He wants to lead you out of the mess you're in into something better. If we could just turn our eyes back to him and wait for what he wants to do in us. In Psalm 46.10, it says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted in all of the nations. 
Like God's statement here is so direct and simple. It's a Hebrew word called Rapha, that be still Rapha. In the original language, it actually means this. It means be weak, let go, release. I mean, hear what God was saying. Be still, be weak, let go, release it. Be still and know that I am God. Let go of what you've been holding on to. Release the need you are so desperately clinging to in your life. Accept the weakness you have because in your weakness, he will show up strong. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to let go of what you've been clinging to. It's okay to trust God to show up. Just be still and know that he'll be God. And when we're struggling with waiting, it's time to slow down. Time to accept the weakness we have in our own lives. It's time to say, I do feel this need and it's getting desperate, but I don't want to rush it. I'm feeling weak and like I'm going to give up. I'm just going to own it and say, God, this is who I am. I'm struggling. I need to be still and know that you're God. I'm going to let go of the desperation I feel. I'm going to let go of the thing I think I need because I'm looking for something greater. I'm going to release my plan and ask you for your purpose. David in Psalm 40 is a beautiful picture of this in action. It says trust is the art of the art of the wait is about accepting our own weakness. It's about letting go of the needs we're clinging on to. It's about releasing our plan for his purpose. In Psalm 40, David, he's, he's doing this. He's living it out. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. I waited patiently. He turned to me and he heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit out of the mud and the mire he set my feet on a rock and he gave me a firm place to stand he put a new song in my mouth a hymn of praise to our God many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord who does not look to the proud to turn aside to false gods Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you have planned for us. None can compare with you where I speak and tell you your deeds. They would be too many to declare. Listen, God's timing is better. You can trust him. He is bigger and better than you ever could have imagined. And if you're struggling to wait, maybe it's because your God is too small or he isn't good enough. The God of the Bible, the God of this psalm, is a good God who will establish you. He will set your feet on a firm foundation. He will do something new in your heart. The wonders he will do in your life will be too many to count. Nobody can compare to him and nobody can compare to what he will do in your life. He is good and you can trust him. When you understand who he is and that his timing is the right timing, you can trust him with all your heart and lean not on your own understandings, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. Time to get the art of the wait going in our lives, to wait on him for what he has 
Time to accept our weakness, knowing He will be strong in our weakness. Time to let go of what we think we need and ask God to show us what we really need from Him. And time to release our plans and accept His purpose. I hope you can do that and beat the peace thief of impatience in your life, knowing that you can wait on God and He will show up in really big ways in your life. Let's pray. So God, we thank you that we can trust you. You're a big God. You are a good God. We can wait for you. We have some needs and the pressure feels big and the moment gets intense and we feel desperate and, and, and the bigger those needs and the more desperate we feel, the harder it is to be patient and wait for you to show up. Some of us were ready to quit waiting. I just pray that you'd help stay us, that, that we, would, we would pause and be still longer holding on to the promise that your timing is our best timing that your purpose is better than our plans would you show up in our weakness would you make your strength known in our lives in jesus name amen